Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. everyone to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And please be sure to follow Joe and I on our social media, primarily on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Like, subscribe, share, hit that little bell for notifications and all that fun stuff. And today... We are very pleased and honored to be joined by Father Chris Alar. And for those of you who do not know who Father Chris Alar is, I'm going to give him a brief introduction. He is a priest of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. And Father Chris wrote and produced the popular Divine Mercy 101 and Explaining the Faith DVD series and is the author of the best-selling book, After Suicide, There is Hope for Them and for you. He is also a regular host and guest on EWTN, and he hosts the online Divine Mercy Matters series at divinemercymatters.org. He serves as as the director of the Association of Marian Helpers and is the head of Marian Press, located on the grounds of the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Father Chris Alar, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Now it's great to be back with you guys. Thank you. It doesn't seem like it's been a full year, but uh, an honor to be back on the show. Yep. And very timely. Today is Divine Mercy Sunday. And obviously this is an important conversation for for Catholics to understand and know more about the mercy of God. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. Father, could you lead us in prayer? Absolutely. This being uh, the highest eight days of the calendar to liturgical calendar year and the highest of the eighth days, this being the octave of Easter. Let us raise our minds to our creator in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the gift of the Holy Spirit down upon us to open our minds and our hearts to receive the grace you wish to bestow. Most of all, through the blood of your Son shed on the cross that has now redeemed us and now will open the door to eternal life. We ask that you give us all the grace to pass through that door and trust in your mercy. And through the intercession of Mary and all the saints, especially St. Faustina, let us come to you begging and asking for your mercy that will lead us to forgiveness of all sin and punishment. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Father, let's get right into it. Talk about the importance of Divine Mercy Sunday, the meaning of the eighth day, and the special graces given to the world. Okay, now that is normally a full week-long mission. <laughs> so, so, you do your uh, thing. You do your thing. <laughs> I will do my best to give, you know, most of your people are probably driving in the car right now. But, hey, in New York, you got a long commute, right? I, I don't know how much COVID, <laughs> how much COVID has affected the commute times there. But, uh, but we'll do our best because this is really what everything boils down to. Our whole church Uh, liturgical year is geared towards Easter and the resurrection. But what people seem to think is that it ends at the resurrection. Actually, it's just the beginning. The the beginning of, of, of what, Father? It's the beginning of what we call an Easter octave. Now, an octave represents when we come as Christians, as Catholics, we come from the Jews. Our, our, our tradition is based on Jewish tradition. Now, in the Jewish tradition, when a feast was so big, they couldn't celebrate it over one day. They would celebrate it over eight days. It was what they called an octave. Now, this is what Easter is. You know, we used to have many octaves in the Catholic Church. We had the octave of Corpus Christi, the octave of Pentecost. We only have two now. There's only two octaves in the Catholic Church now, Christmas and Easter. Now, what's the octave of Christmas? 
octave of Christmas starts on Christmas Day, and eight days later is January 1st, the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. So those are two important bookends of a great feast called Christmas. And the reason why it's celebrated as an octave, believe it or not, is because Christmas is celebrated all eight days as Christmas. So it's bookend by the birth of Jesus and the celebration of Mary, his mother. You can't separate them. That's why we have them as the octave of Christmas. Now, what's the biggest octave? The biggest octave we have in the church is Easter. And so the Easter octave also has two bookends. When does it start? It starts on Easter Sunday. That's day one. So you have day one, Easter Sunday, the Easter octave. Then you have Monday, day two, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm sorry, Friday, Saturday. And then the eighth day is Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, that means that Divine Mercy Sunday made the final four. All right. It made the final four because you've got the two big feasts and each are bookend. So you got the big feast of Christmas, bookended by Christmas and Mary, the mother of God. So those are your two big feasts. But then you kick it up a notch and you get into the championship game, which is basically Easter and Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, here's a shocker for you guys. Do you know St. Augustine actually said the highest point of the Easter octave isn't Easter? It's the eighth day. He actually said, yeah, St. Augustine said the compendium of the days of mercy, which are these eight days, and St. Thomas the Apostle wrote, in the the apostolic constitutions that the highest of the days is the eighth day. Now, why would that be? And why was it that Jesus told St. Faustina that this feast has to be on the eighth day, the Sunday after Easter? And Joe, that was one of the questions you asked, right? What's the meaning of the eighth day? Correct. I think you, okay. So let's talk about that. Now, Jesus said, I want this feast on the eighth day. In fact, he told St. Faustina, it has to be on the eighth day. He didn't say, now, why didn't he pick, why did the Lord say it's got to be July 26th, Father Chris's birthday, you know, (laughs) or, you know, or, or something like that. Why, why does, why did he say it has to be the Sunday after Easter? All right. Because it completes the octave. The octave of Easter, as I said, begins on Easter Sunday, day one. And goes for the next eight days. Now, why would it be actually the highest day of the octave? This is fascinating. Father Seraphim, God rest his soul. He just passed away in February of this year. He's who I learned divine mercy from. He is next to Faustina, her confessor Sapochko, John Paul II. He's probably the next biggest giant in bringing divine mercy to the world. He's the reason that we have the Feast of Divine Mercy, the Restored Image, and the Translated Diary, all of St. Faustine. So this is an important figure, this Father Seraphim. Anyway, he said, and I'm quoting him now, but I think it makes perfect sense. He said, why is the eighth day the highest day like St. Augustine said it was? He said, because everything and everyone has two perfections. You have a perfection when you were created, that you exist, that God gave you life. But then you have a perfection that's even greater when you achieve the purpose for which you were created. Now, what's the purpose? You guys all remember, were you guys raised with the Baltimore Catechism? Did you Sadly, guys? Sadly, no, but no? I'm aware of it. The qu- okay. The Baltimore Catechism says, why were we created? To know God, to love him and serve him and be happy with him forever in heaven. Okay. That's the goal for which we were created. Now, listen to this. So you have the fact that an acorn, let's go a a living thing, a cat. You have the fact, and I'm one of the few guys who actually likes cats. I love cats, right? So use a kitten as an example. You have a kitten, and that has a perfection by the very fact it exists. But when that kitten becomes a cat, 
and establishes itself as a full developed cat, it reaches the perfection for which it was created. Okay, an acorn becomes an oak tree. Before an acorn becomes an oak tree, it hasn't reached its perfection, right? So you exist. Now me, when I was a high schooler, I hadn't reached my perfection. What was my perfection? A priest. So when, when I wake, my ultimate perfection will be to get to God in heaven. So here's why Easter Sunday is just the beginning. Easter Sunday opened the door to heaven. On the eighth day, we get into heaven. You see, there's a difference. Now, Easter Sunday is the day Jesus resurrected and opened the door to heaven. Now, that's day one of the octave. The next seven days are symbolic of our pilgrimage. Now, what is seven? Seven is the perfect number, right, Father? It is, but it's the perfect number in regards to time or creation in the Bible, right? Correct. God you know, rested on the seventh day after creation in time. So we have Easter Sunday, day one of the octave. The next seven days are symbolic of your pilgrimage called life. You are like the Jews wandering around the desert, around the desert called New York City. That's the truth. And it is a desert, Father. You are you are wandering in this in this place, and you're looking for there's gotta be a better meaning. There's gotta be something deeper. What is my meaning? What is my purpose? You're searching your whole existence. This seven days is called life, but what are you doing? Like the Jews in the desert, you're looking for the promised land. All right. Now, what is the promised land to us Catholics? heaven. Now, here's the meaning of the eighth day. While seven is the perfect number to the Jews that represents time, eight is the perfect number to the Jews that represents eternity. So, the Easter octave starts with day one, Jesus resurrects and opens the door to heaven. The next seven days, you're wandering around the desert of New York City called life, searching for that promised land, which is heaven. And on the eighth day, Jesus will come for you to take you into eternity. Now, here's the point. Jesus is a Jewish man. And before any Jewish man took his bride home to meet his mother and his father, he wants and needs her spotless. Are we the bride? Yes, So Jesus will come as the groom. This is the whole meaning of the Mass. The whole meaning of the Mass is a nuptial relationship between Jesus the groom and us the bride. That's why when you go up the aisle for Holy Communion, you're making your wedding march. You're actually going up, and you are the bride. And when you see a wedding, a Catholic wedding, what happens? The bride goes up the aisle. Who's waiting for her at the altar? The groom. So when you go up that aisle as a Catholic, you are the bride. Who's waiting for you up at the altar? Your groom. And it becomes consummated at that moment. Jesus enters into you, the bride. You actually physically take him into your body. It's a nuptial relationship. Just like the bride and the groom on the night of the wedding when it's consummated. It's consummated for us because Jesus, the groom, enters into us, the bride, literally. And so the point is for that to be consummated and for us to be the bride, what does the bride wear on that wedding day? A spotless wedding garment, pure white. Now, ultimately, we don't look like that. We are full of, I, I was out playing football in my wedding garment. I'm full of mud. I'm full <laughs> of dirt. I'm full of all kinds of garbage. So what do I got to do? Before I can march up that aisle, I got to get cleaned up. I got I to gotta be, be spotless because Jesus, the groom, is coming for me, the bride. And on that eighth day, he wants to take me home to eternity to meet his mother and his father. God the father, marry his mother. The problem is, am I ready? Well, here's the problem. When Jesus comes for us, he's not going to find too many of us spotless. So our Lord has a dilemma here. 
what do I do? I'm coming for my bride and she's not clean. So what happens? Well, you got to get rid of those stains. And there's two stains that could be on our wedding garment. What's our wedding garment? Our soul. That's our wedding garment. So we got to clean it up. There's two stains that could be on our wedding garment, our soul. And that is sin. And what's the result of sin? Punishment that we are owed when we sin. Now, if we die with both of those on our soul and we're not repentant and we die in an unrepentant state of mortal sin, the church teaches we are lost. So that's why we're here today. So that you're not one of those last souls, lost souls. So what do you do? First, you got to get rid of the stain of sin. How do we do that? That's easy. Confession. We get to confession. Now, if your church is closed or you have coronavirus and you can't go, make an act of contrition, just telling God that you're sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've done. Please forgive me. That gets rid of the first state. Then you've got to go back to the sacrament of confession when the church opens back up, okay? So that gets rid of the first state. Now, what about the second stain called punishment? I don't like that term. I think it should be more like loving discipline. You know, like a father who has to discipline his son when he told him not to play baseball in the yard and, and the son plays ball and breaks the window. His dad says, son, I forgive you, but you're grounded for two weeks and you got to pay for it out of your allowance. You know what that is? That's purgatory. Okay. So if you've been forgiven of the sin, but you still have the punishment remaining, you got to go to purgatory. So the first is hell. If we have sin, what we're not repentant of, and we have all this punishment, and we die with, with sin, and if we're not repented, we go to hell. Now, if we go and our sin's been forgiven, but we haven't been forgiven of the punishment, we go to purgatory. Jesus wants us to skip all of that. He wants us to be so clean that we go straight to heaven with him on that eighth day. Now, the problem is, not most of us are not ready to do that. Most of us are not prepared. Most of us are not cleansed. So God says, okay, I want you cleaned up. You're my bride. First thing you got to do is go to confession. So that's like the bride going to the beauty parlor. She starts with her hair, get it clean, get it done, get it cut. Now, when you come out of the confessional, is the punishment still there or is the punishment gone? All it's right. There. It's there for me, well, Father. <laughs> That's why yeah. I do this. Me too. Here, here's the thing. The eternal punishment due to sin, a.k.a. hell, is gone. But the temporal punishment, a.k.a. purgatory, may still remain. Unless we do something to get rid of that punishment. How do we get rid of it? Okay, the church teaches a couple things. One is a plenary indulgence. That allows us to get rid of all sin and the punishment due to sin. The problem is this. Most of us don't have total detachment from sin. And one of the conditions of a plenary indulgence is that you can have no attachment to sin, even venial. As I always say, good luck with that one. Because most of us still struggle with maybe gluttony, eating too much, or laziness, sloth, or impatience. I struggle with impatience, or maybe we're struggling with impurity, uh, you know, on the internet or thoughts. I mean, there's a wide range of things that enable us, or I should say, prevent us from being detached from sin. So most of us have detachment uh, to sin as a goal, but not a reality. Now, what do we do? How are we, what next, Father? All right, for the rest of us, God gives another way. He gives another way to wipe not only all that sin away, but all the punishment away, and you don't have to have a perfect detachment to sin life, even though that's the goal. This way is called Divine Mercy Sunday. Jesus says on that day, <clears throat> the soul that has been to confession. So please, everybody, get to confession. 
between now and Sunday. It doesn't have to be on that day. It can be any time before. It can be today, tomorrow, as long as you're in a state of grace. All right. As long as you're in a state of grace, you can be, you can, you can have gone to confession before. Now, Jesus says, receive Holy Communion on that day, which means either the Saturday night mass or Sunday, any mass, go to communion. Now, if you can't do those two things because your church is closed or you have Corona, make an act of contrition, just telling God you are sorry, and make an act of spiritual communion, just saying, Lord, please come into my heart like you did in the sacrament of the Eucharist. Please unite with me. I want to make a spiritual communion with you like you did enter into me in, in the sacrament of most holy communion. That's called a spiritual communion. Now, just have the intent to go back to the real sacraments when next available. But don't panic if you can't before Sunday. That's the goal. But Jesus gives you a way to hold over until you can get to the sacrament by making an act of contrition, just tell God you're sorry, and an act of spiritual communion, saying, unite with me, Lord, come into my heart. Now, when you do this, do this at any Sunday Mass this weekend, or today, I should say. What am I talking about? Today, Divine Mercy Sunday, today. Make this happen. And if you haven't been to confession yet, just make that act of contrition. As I said, I apologize. I've done this talk so many times that I said, you know, between now and Divine Mercy Sunday. Today, the day, okay, you can still get to confession. Pull your priest aside. Now, here's the point. Once you get, and if you've already been to Mass today, it's all right. Father, I missed it. I, I already, it's already passed by. Okay. If you've already been to communion and you were in a state of grace, you, you can get this grace right now with me. Now, it's, it's, it's the afternoon. It's Divine Mercy Sunday night. If you have a night mass at 6, go to it. If not, listen to what I want to say next. We're going to get you that grace. If you received Holy Communion either on Saturday night, yesterday, or today, I'm going to give you the prayer to say with me right now to get this grace of complete forgiveness of sin and all punishment. All right. Now say this after me or just in your heart. So I'll give a little pause after I talk so that you can say these words with me in your heart. Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. Jesus you told St. Faustina that the soul that has been to confession, I have, or I have made an act of contrition. And the soul that has been to communion, I have, or I made a spiritual act of communion will receive complete forgiveness of not only all sin, but all punishment due to sin. Now, you're talking to Jesus right now. This is a prayer. So, Jesus, you promise this grace. I did what you asked. Please Give me this grace. Amen. And I'm telling you, you will receive it or Jesus is a liar. And nobody is going to claim that, right? Nobody. So the point is this. You do those things, and it's not too late to make this prayer. Make it right now. Even if you've been to Mass earlier or Mass yesterday or try to get to a church in the next hour, whatever you got to do. Or make an act of communion if you can't go at all. Or you missed it at all because you're sick. Make the act of contrition, the act of spiritual communion. Then go back to the sacraments as soon as you can. But here's the point. It's not a magic wand. It's not a rabbit's foot. You can't continue to live a life that you know is wrong 
well, Father, this is great, but I'm going to continue having my affair, cheating on my taxes, embezzling money from my company. But, you know, this is pretty cool. No, it doesn't work that way. We got to have rectification of the will that we're going to clean up ourselves, get back on our feet. This is a new beginning. You've ever said to yourself, gee, I wish I could just wipe my slate clean. I wish I could just clean up everything and start over. Here's your chance. Saint, uh, Saint, or Father Seraphim used to say, never will your soul be cleaner other than it is at your original baptism than it is on the moment of Divine Mercy Sunday. He said it's like a second baptism. It's not a second baptism. We only get baptized once. But it's like a second baptism because you're wiped clean of every sin and punishment. In other words, you die today like John Paul did right after receiving Holy Communion and going to confession for Divine Mercy Sunday back in 2005. Jesus promises we're like the thief on the cross. We're going to heaven, even though the bad things we've done. That because you're showing an act of trust if you go through this. If you do what he asks and you have a contrite heart, and you really repent of your sins, and you're really going to try to, to change your life, you've been given a free slate, a clean slate, just like the thief on his right. How beautiful wow. is that, Father? Yep. How you're beautiful the- is that to emphasize to people? And one thing I loved about what you were talking about, you're not downplaying God's, God's justice. No. Because I do think that that's one of the things we find, Joe and I find sometimes in conversations with other people, is there's an either an overemphasis on justice and an, or an overemphasis on mercy without looking at it the way you just presented it, which is the correct way, the proper relationship between God's mercy and God's justice. Yeah, it's not so important free, for people to understand that. Yeah, it's not a free ticket to sin. You got to remend your life. You got to strive to change what this is. Is God giving you a second start, a chance? It's like an expungement from a police record, but it doesn't expunge anything that you're going to do in the future you got to make sure this cleanses you from the past. And our Lord says, I'm giving you another try. But like you said to the adulteress, I forgive you. I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Now, that doesn't mean we, you know, we're not going to stumble and fall. Yeah, we might. But you know what? This gives us a cleansing of all of the past. And he gives us a chance to start over anew. But it's you got to have rectification of the will. You have to say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to give this my best shot. I really want to change. If you don't want to do that and you're going to continue to live a life mired in sin, this doesn't apply to you, okay? This has to be God's justice is met by when you repent. So God's justice is met in giving you this great mercy because you're saying, I'm sorry, I messed up, and I'm really going to truthfully try not to do it again. No, it's important. You know, I, I, I people don't think about the punishment of purgatory enough. It's right. not talked about. Um, right. But it's part of justice. And, you know, I'll, I'll put it in, in the terms of two guys from New Jersey. God's throwing us a bone, Father. He's throwing us a bone here. I mean, to get out of the punishment. And I mean, at the end of the day, none of us have lived a perfect life, lives. You know, a lot of times people have had conversions, reversions back into the faith. But there has to be that, that payment due. And yeah. here is God saying, I love you so much. I'm even going to help you. I'm going to help you and, out and here. And it's... It's, it's got precedent in scripture, like uh, the parable of the wicked servant. What happened with him? He went to the king who owed him a ton, had a big debt like we do from our sins, and the king forgave him completely. He was free to go and be cleansed. But what did he do? He went and choked a guy who owed him a lot less money. And then the king came back and said, sorry, you, you, you botched your chance. And so that's the justice. So what this is, is a cleanup opportunity, but you got to cooperate with it. You have to, you have to say, all right, you know what, Lord, I accept this grace and this gift, but I want to stay clean. You know, you can wash my shirt for me, give me a clean shirt. But if I go out in the the garden and I roll in the dirt, it's going to be dirty in one minute. So we got to stay out of the dirt. We got to keep that shirt clean. God's given us a brand new shirt. Let's keep it clean. 
Absolutely. So, Father, we're going to take a break. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. We're having a great conversation about a very important topic, Divine Mercy, on Divine Mercy Sunday, because our Lord is merciful. So, Father Alar is, is, knows everything about this. That's why he's on The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Um, and you're listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Stick around. We got more for you. So we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We are way, way, way in the breach with Father Chris Alar, and we are talking about all things Divine Mercy on Divine Mercy Sunday. With that, I'm handing it over to Joe Racinello. Father, I read uh, Faustina's diary, um, and clearly, in my view, she's a prophet. It's always interesting that God chooses people who are insignificant. She had a fourth grade education. She worked in the kitchen. Um, One of the messages that Jesus gave to her was, you will prepare the world for my final coming. It's actually kind of (laughs) scary, to be honest with you, when you think about that. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Is it prophetic that he chose her at that particular time. I mean, it's only a hundred years ago that he basically spoke with her. Talk a little bit about that in the context of her as a prophet. Yeah. And you, as you said, God works through those you wouldn't expect. Um, I mean, there's many examples in scripture like Moses, you know, Moses, Moses stuttered so bad that when the Lord said, I'm going to use you, he's like, no, 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 no. You know, he was like, use my brother. Um, but the Lord said, no, I'm going to use you. I think of St. Paul, uh, my favorite of all the saints. And, I, you know, we really don't have a church without St. Paul. And, you know, you go to Rome and you see these giant statues of this big hulking figure, St. Paul with, you know, big flowing beard and big arms and ready to cast lightning bolts down on anybody who would stomp on Christians and, to, you know, battle and fight. You know who St. Paul was? We know from the apocryphal gospels that he was bow he was bald headed, bow legged, hook nose, and four foot eight. Sounds <laughs> like one of my uncles. <laughs> <laughs> that was Saint Paul, and God uses them to change the world. I mean, come on! But that's what gives God more glory is when He uses a broken tool, not the perfect tool. That's why you don't see the greatest people on earth being the chosen ones. He picked somebody like St. Faustina. He chose a bunch of fishermen. If he would have chose Herod and, and Caesar, and they would have told the world to convert, the world would have converted. But they wouldn't have given glory to God. They would have given glory to Caesar and Herod. So God picks people who you don't expect. He picks me. You know, I mean, he, he picks us. Um, he doesn't pick the, the great and the mighty sometimes, but usually not. And St. Faustina was one such case. John Paul II described her as nobody from nowhere. She came from a little tiny farm in rural Poland. Her job was to break up dirt clots. I mean, that was her job as a kid, was to sit in the, in the, in the field and break up dirt clots so that, that the planning could be done easier. Um, but here he comes to this woman. You know, why? Why St. Faustina? Well, basically, the message of divine mercy, because remember, divine mercy is both a message and a devotion. And what happened with divine mercy was we experienced it right in the garden of Adam and Eve. God's mercy has been around from the very beginning. The very fact that he created us is mercy. But when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they messed things up pretty good. But God didn't waste any time. Immediately, what did he do in the garden? Genesis 3.15. He gave us the gift and a promise, the promise of a savior and the gift of a mother. So immediately we see God's mercy. And so in that message of mercy, we were told in the garden what we call ABCs. These are the three things that you can summarize the whole Bible. 
The whole Bible can be summarized in ABC. A is ask for God's mercy. The Bible tells us unless we, we repent and ask for forgiveness, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. B is be merciful to each other. The parable, the sheep and the goats, Jesus separates them and says, hey, when I was hungry, you didn't give me food. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. Away with you into the eternal fire. Whoa, that's a wake up. That doesn't sound optional to me. That's needed. We got to have love. Yeah, we get to heaven by God's grace, but we got to cooperate with God's grace. And that's by loving our neighbor. And then C, A is ask for mercy, B is be merciful to each other, and C is completely trusting God's mercy. Now, Jesus told St. Faustina that trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. Y'all want to get to heaven? You guys want to get to heaven? I want to get to heaven. We don't get to heaven without grace. And Jesus says, trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. So if you want to get to heaven, you got to get grace. And you want grace, you got to trust. Now, here's the problem. Adam and Eve missed the boat on all three of those. They didn't ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. They never said they were sorry. B, were they merciful to each other? Be merciful to each other? No. Adam blamed. He said, Lord, it's the woman you gave me. It's her fault. So they didn't be merciful to each other. And C, did they completely trust in God? No, they ran and they hid. So God pointed out in the garden what mankind's big error was. It was not knowing their ABCs. Now what he tried to do is raise up throughout the centuries was to teach us this message of ABCs. This is the heart of the gospel. This is not optional. People say divine mercy is optional. They're talking about the devotion. The message of divine mercy is the heart of the gospel. You can't get to heaven without it. So over the centuries, God's been trying to give mankind this message of divine mercy, the ABCs. And he's raised up great saints and prophets. Problem is we don't listen. We don't listen. We get in trouble since the garden. We've turned our backs on God. We don't listen. Jansenism, we even fear God. Finally, he said, that's it. I'm done here. Now, he didn't use those exact words, but in essence, that's what he meant when he said, you, St. Faustina, will prepare the world for my final coming. In other words, he's telling her, this mission is now done with you. I've been trying to give divine mercy to the world for centuries, thousands and thousands of years, and mankind hasn't been listening. Now you, St. Faustina, I want you to give it to the world brand new. And I'm going to give you five new channels of grace to do that. What is my mission, Father? St. Faustina, or God, St. Faustina said, I want you to give that message of mercy, the ABCs, back to the world. Brand new. Faustina's like, how do I do that? He's like, I'm going to give you five new channels of grace. And we refer to that as the devotion of divine mercy. We call it little acronym Finch, like the bird, F-I-N-C-H. F is the feast of divine mercy. I is the image of divine mercy. N is the novena of divine mercy, which you're praying, Joe. C is the chaplet of divine mercy. H is the hour, three o'clock of divine mercy. Through those five new channels of grace, our Lord wants us to live a deeper message of divine mercy so that we can get to heaven. So you can see salvation history all wraps up right now in this message of divine mercy given to mankind since the beginning, which is now petered out. So God in his wisdom gives us a great saint named Faustina to bring it back to the world. How does he do that? He gives her five new bullets to put in the gun and it's called the devotion of divine mercy. If you practice, if you go and get the feast of divine mercy, the graces from the feast. If you venerate the image, you pray the novena, you pray the chaplet, and you pray in the hour of mercy, you are going to get these graces. Father, and this is the whole point. Yeah, Father, you know, I, I'm just, as you were going through that, I was just thinking to myself, I mean, you look at the 20th century, arguably it was the bloodiest century ever. 
I mean, all the people that have been murdered, you had, you know, like Stalin, two world wars, abortion. I mean, mercy, if you think about the word, it's something that it's undeserved. When you give someone mercy, you don't deserve it. It's given to you. It shows Christ's love for us. We don't deserve mercy. And well, he and, 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 please and talk to answer about that. that Joe, no, no, you're right, because it tells us in Scripture where sin abounds, grace abounds even the more. So the more that the sin has been plaguing us, the more he's going to give us mercy. Now, this doesn't, can, this doesn't go forever. The time of mercy will end. Jesus said, woe to those, to those who don't recognize this time of mercy, which is right now. Woe to you, because when I come the second time, I'm not coming as the merciful Savior. I'm coming as the just judge. So we got to do it now while there's time. And that is so important. You just mentioned it's not deserved. You guys got a great priest in the New York City, the Newark, Jersey area. Uh, Father Glenn from the CFR. Absolutely. Sedano. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's you know Father Glenn. Yeah. Well, my one of my spiritual very director, first talks. actually. What's that? My wife's spiritual director. Oh, wow. I wish I wish he was mine. And, <laughs> and, and Father Glenn, I did one of my very first talks ever with him. I didn't know anything about anything. And I'm, I'm giving a talk and I'm a brother about divine mercy. I just learned some of the basics. And I did a talk down there in Newark with Father Glenn, and he said, never forget, God's mercy is overabundant, undeserved, and in, in, in this, is the, this is the whole concept, um, overabundant, undeserved, and, and basically unmerited. You know, um, uh, it's just everything that we don't deserve showered upon us, um, and it's unconditional. That's what it was, he said overabundant, undeserved, and unconditional. That's amazing. I overabundant, think undeserved, and unconditional. One of the things that strikes me, Father, in the prayer of the Divine Mercy, there's the optional prayers, the one in the beginning, the one at the end. Uh, one of the phrases that always strikes me, I think it speaks to what you're saying, is that sin is an abyss of ingratitude. Um, I think were the exact words she used. Um, we're, we're, it's like, yes, we're just so ungrateful for all the gifts that we've been given that Joe's exactly right. When you think about the immensity of eternity, uh, uh, literally eternal joy, eternal peace. Okay. Real true happiness. Okay. You got to show me some one created human being outside of Mary that deserves that. Okay. Yet God still gives that to us. I think that's such an important message to get through to people. Stop, you know, again, we're not being judgmental, Father, but people have to stop saying, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. We all have to look at ourselves in the mirror and realize that we're sinners and then show that humility and go reach out for God's mercy, I think. Yeah, and, and the big thing to recognize is people who say that, like I'm a good person, it ends there. That's on the natural level. Uh, but we have to have supernatural grace to get to heaven. We can't make it to heaven that just on the natural level that we're good people. That, that extends to this earth and this earth only. Eternity, though, is not of this earth. Eternity is beyond this earth. It's supernatural. Natural is the earth. You can be a good person on the natural level and do just fine. On the supernatural level, you need something more. It's called grace. You cannot, you cannot make it on the supernatural level without grace. And the only way you can get grace is through God. And what we have to do, you said it, Joe, about being in gratitude. I think the worst for me um, would be seeing someone born and raised Catholic, given so much of this grace, shown the way, and just totally rejects it. Now, there are reasons I get that. There might be things you know, in a person's past, there might have been events, whatever. And, and I pray for them. I, I, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm begging you, don't let that gift be discarded. I'm not pointing fingers like, like, you know, you know, like, like, like you would say to the person, you know what? I don't care about the past, you know, let it go. Let's let it go. Just don't ruin the future. Take this gift. Grab this gift. Don't be ungratitude. Don't have ingratitude. Have gratitude. 
Lord, you're giving me the tools to get to heaven. People are like, oh, I don't need the sacraments. That's the way God gave you to got to get to heaven. I don't need, I, I don't need the sacraments. I don't need church. The church is the way he gives you to get to heaven. And so this is the way he left. If God's going to say, well, gee, I want to, I got to leave a way for you to get to heaven. Well, he chose the church. How do we know that? It's in scripture. So this is the gift we don't want to stop always being grateful for. You know, I always, when I explain uh, why I'm Catholic to people, I always say it's because of the sacraments. Yeah. Um, the sacraments are the medicine for the world. That's yeah. how I explain the Catholic church yeah. to people. We need the medicine because we're us and we need it. Well, remember, remember the definition of a sacrament. People think that it's a symbol. It's not. Sacraments actually do something. They're not just symbols. They are actual grace. When you receive a sacrament in the proper state, you're not hoping you get grace. When you go to the confessional, I'm not hoping I'm forgiven. I'm not wondering if I'm forgiven. You are guaranteed forgiveness. Because Jesus said to the apostles, the first priests, whose sins you forgive are forgiven in heaven. So if the priest says, I absolve you, you are guaranteed forgiveness. There's no wondering. You, you don't have that guarantee in your bedroom. And so in the sacraments, we've got to remember what they are. They are an efficacious sign, meaning they do something of God's grace instituted by Christ. That means it comes from God and entrusted to the church, which means he gave it to the church by which divine life is instilled in us. In other words, there's your whole answer to how God is telling you, you can get to heaven. I'm giving you the ticket. I'm giving you the golden key. Just use it. It's called the sacraments. And in fact, that's what Divine Mercy Sunday is all about. It's only about two things. Go to confession, receive Holy Communion. Basically, all Divine Mercy Sunday is, is a return to the sacraments. The reason God is enticing us, it's like a parent who wants to put honey on the child's medicine to encourage them to take it. So God's putting the honey on the, on the medicine of the sacraments. And I know you don't like going to the confessional, but I'm going to put some honey around it. You go to confession and you go to Holy Communion, the honey is you're forgiven of everything. So it's a way for our Lord to motivate us to come because he knows we're broken. He knows that we are, we are, not, we are not seeing this the way we should. And this is important. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach with Father Chris Alar, and we are talking about all things divine mercy. Father, we have a little bit of time, probably for another couple of questions, but I want to just interject one that I think is important, an important message to give to our listeners. Please talk about the need. Again, I'm referring to the prayer, uh, the divine mercy prayer of, uh, of Sister Faustina, that we pray not to become despondent nor despair. Please talk about the importance of understanding the need not to despair of Christ's mercy. Well, that's the optional prayer we pray at the end of the chaplet, um, you know, that we ask our Lord for the graces to respond. All right. The reason that we do not want to become despondent, that is basically, I'm not responding to God's mercy. I just don't care either. I'm unable or I don't care. Um, and, and if we are, if it's within our power to make it possible, we need to make it possible. And so the worst thing you could do is be a lukewarm sinner. This is what our Lord warned that he would spew from his mouth. I'd rather have you hot or cold. Look at Paul. I mentioned Paul earlier. He was as cold as you could get. He was killing Christians. Um, you know, he was, he was, he was, you know, he was, uh, he had Paul, uh, Stephen stoned. The point was, though, the Lord saw zeal in him. He thought he was doing the right thing. And I think that is what a lot of people don't understand about other religions. They think that there's no value in them. Yes, there is if they think they're doing the right thing. But God will then come in and give them the grace to say, now I'm going to show you I'm the real God. So you're going to use the zeal for me. That's what he did with Paul. So what we have to realize is don't be lukewarm. That's the despondency that you don't want to have. And the other one is don't despair because there's two ends of the spectrum, presumption and despair, all mercy, all justice. The problem is if you are only all mercy, you have a tendency for presumption. You know what? You know, I really, 
don't want to do this because I know it's the wrong thing, but I'm going to do it anyway because I can just go to confession tomorrow. So you know what? It's Saturday night. My girlfriend's over. Yeah, I don't have to resist this temptation. I can indulge in it because I'll just go to confession tomorrow. You do that day after day after day, pretty soon it becomes presumption. You're presuming on God's mercy. You don't want to fall into that trap. On the other end of the spectrum is despair. Despair is basically saying, God's all justice. I passed gas when I was 13, and I'm going to go to hell for it. There's nothing I can do. You know, that that's ridiculous. That's Jansenism. That's seeing God as nothing but justice, and there's no way out of that. And it causes you to despair. There is no way that we can also live that way. So we can't be guilty. We don't want to be despondent where we are just lukewarm. And then if we are zealous, there's one of two polarized opposites, presumption or despair. Do not fall into either of those. See that your conversion is daily. And every single day, work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. Not fear and servile fear, but fear in, 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 in fraternal, um, you know, as a God as a father um, and, and, and a holy fear. And when you do that, you'll stay on the right track. That's the whole point and the purpose. Father, you talked a lot about God's mercy. Talk a little bit about us, our, our obligation to give mercy. You use the uh, illustration of, in you know, the gospel, the story about the guy who owed a debt. I mean, Christ expects us to be merciful, um, and he gives us the Eucharist and the confessional to receive the grace to do it and prayer. Talk a little bit about that, because as Catholics, we have to be merciful. Yeah, and I think Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, the one that, that I mentioned is a great one because— it, it shows that if you're not, remember, everybody, Catholics and Protestants are actually not that far apart. They're just on two opposite ends of the room. The, the Protestants are yelling, it's only grace, it's only grace. The, the Catholics are on the other side of the room yelling, it's good works, works of love, works of love. You got to realize it's both. We need the grace of God, but we got to cooperate with that grace through works of love. One of the best ways is Matthew 25. If we don't love our neighbor, Jesus is saying, you're not going to make it to heaven. Because you're a liar. you got to love your neighbor. But I think the powerful one is the Diary of St. Faustina, paragraph number 742. In paragraph number 742, Jesus says, I'm giving you three ways to exercise mercy. And you have no excuse not to do one of these three. Word, deed, and prayer. So what he's saying is, if you can't do something nice for somebody, that's the best way. Do something nice. Deed. He said, if you can't do that, at least say something nice to them. Encourage them. Well, Father, I can't do that because I can't even be in the same room with Aunt Emma. She drives <laughs> me up a wall. She, she, she just, I can't even be near her. How can I do something nice for her or, or say something nice to her? Okay, you can pray for Aunt Emma. So God is saying there's no excuse that you can't do at least one of these three things. Paragraph seven forty two of the diary. I love it. I find I find it's very important, and we'll get we'll we'll have time for we'll have time for one more question. I will say that's one thing, Father. It's it's, it's kind of a confession, if you will. You know, I have a hard time. Joe and I do political and cultural commentary, and with a lot of stuff out there, it's very hard sometimes to find love in your heart. And what I I'm glad you said that because it's kind of affirming me a little bit. I I will show that love, and it will lead hopefully to greater love. What I do is I pray. I pray for the conversion of all souls. And I name, I go out of my way to name some people by name. Yeah. Um, I think it's important. So we got about five minutes left, Father. So Joe, hey, go ahead. Father, we could talk forever. I know. To be yeah, honest we, you know, really, you know, we really could. I, talk a little bit. You have a book coming out. Give us. Yeah. And you know what? I haven't, we haven't even, just to let you know, we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the meaning of the image and the meaning of the chaplet and oh, so much more. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Joe, go ahead. No, talk about your book a little bit. We have like, I know it's coming out and I'm sure there's some good nuggets in there to help our listeners. We'll have you back on and you could really get into the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, one of you guys was in, in contact with my assistant, Peter, please get back in touch with us so I can send you each a copy, a free copy of the book. Everything you. you want to know about Divine Mercy is in 170, 172 pages. Everything you need to know about divine mercy. 
is in this small little readable book. It's called Understanding Divine Mercy. Now I know we can never understand fully God's mercy. I purposely named that to show that God said to St. Faustine in the diary, you can never understand my essence, but you can come to know me through my attributes. And the greatest attribute is mercy. So that's how we come to know God. So Understanding Divine Mercy is the title of this book. And I lay it all out for you. Everything that we talked about here today, plus a ton more, explaining to you how to get the graces, explaining to you what the image means, what the chaplet means, what the Feast of Divine Mercy means, how you get that grace. And it's very, very important for us to realize that the simplest thing to simply do is that, A, just ask for God's mercy. And so when we do that, we have everything. And this book summarizes the ABCs. It summarizes Finch. It summarizes why would a good and loving God allow such suffering? It tells you who St. Faustina was, tells you about her spirituality and what she wanted to teach you to be a saint like her. It's all in here. So how do you get a copy? I hope you'll join us. Just visit shopmercy.org, S-H-O-P-M-E-R-C-Y dot org or dot com shop mercy s-h-o-p-m-e-r-c-y dot org and i don't think the com works on that one org o-r-g so hopefully you'll all get a chance to get it god bless you for that you know father all these things that you say i say you know because i'm in the world i work in corporate america and and you know no one gives you anything for free i know your background you also worked in corporate america before you became a priest oh uh, I mean, cutthroat cutthroat industry of the automotive in detroit i loved it but there was nothing more cutthroat boy destroy the competition and working crazy hours, it was all survival of the fittest. Dog eat dog. <laughs> no, no doubt. And and you know, I think to myself, look at God, how He gives us something so easy, and it's free. I I think about this all the time. It it shows His love for humanity. I mean, no one gives me anything for free. That's for sure. And I know you know that. And I know Joe knows that too. He's been around the block. God, it, he makes it so easy. All yeah. we have to do is avail ourselves to it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I get out of this the most. Along yeah. those lines, I'll tell you what, Father, because we have about a minute and a half left, talk about the need for humility, because I think underlying that is the need to humble ourselves in order yeah. to ask God. Remember, for uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. That would be like Michael Jordan saying, gee, or Barry Sanders, the greatest football player of all time. From You're not from Michigan, are you? <laughs> uh, from Detroit. That would be like Barry Sanders saying, you know, I really wasn't a good running back. Hogwash, that's false humility. Humility isn't thinking of yourself less or thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't think less of himself. He knew he was God, but he put his apostles, he put everyone there as the focal point to help them. That's what we to do, are to be doing as Christ-like people. Amen. Amen. I mean, and that's, I think, for our listeners to hear that. I always say this to people on January 1st. Everyone has a New Year's resolution. This is my message. Go to confession. It doesn't cost anything. And God loves you. And your life will change. And you're going to fail at your New Year's resolution anyway. So so go. I mean, it really is that simple. And it's for everybody. And I think that sometimes we walk by a church. There's churches all over the place in the New York metropolitan area. We walk by a church and... Right inside is the answer. Everyone has their minds on different things. They're worried. They have concerns. Walk inside and find the priest. There's so many good priests like Father Chris. They're normal guys. Talk to them. Your life will change. And Father, just finally, just a, a final thought for our audience and one more time where people can find you and your book. Yes, please visit shopmercy.org, one word, S-H-O-P-M-E-R-C-Y.org. Please get a copy of the book there. You will absolutely, I think, benefit from it. And one last thing, visit us a daily. Uh, we have our YouTube channel where we post on YouTube and Facebook. I do daily homilies on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sundays. You can join us on our YouTube channel called Divine Mercy. So please, ah, one more thing, if I may. Every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern time, I do a live talk called Explaining the Faith. I do everything from the sacraments to 
uh, suffering, to angels, to spiritual warfare, to demons, to, to graces, who is Jesus, who's the Holy Spirit. It's all on there every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Just dial in to our Divine Mercy YouTube channel. Awesome. Thank you, Father Chris Alar, and thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for joining Joe and I at the front line with Joe and Joe in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, bringing the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area, 1350 on your AM dial. For all Veritas content, please be sure to download our Veritas Catholic Network mobile app, and also please follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube until they shut us down, of course. Like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell for notifications, do all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.